This is the Tennis Podcast. I'm your host, Nick. I'm your equal 50% share of voice co-host, Brandon. <clears throat> That's actually on my driver's license now. Um, it, it cost me $19 to update it, but that's what it says on my driver. That's my title. Well, you should be proud for contributing $19 to the state of Oklahoma. Speaking of the state of Oklahoma, rain, rain, go away. Am I right, Brandon? We're speaking to you from Oklahoma. That was a sound effect. Yeah, that was a uh, non-enhanced sound effect from Brandon, who's currently doing this podcast from underwater. I can put a Foley artist on my resume now. You can't. Oklahoma is having some severe weather issues lately, but Brandon and I are pushing forward because we know that our loyal thumb twaddlers slash listeners depend on us every week, Brandon. We're a, we're a institution in their life. Whether, what do they say? Rain, nor snow. Nor hot dogs. <laughs> Brandon, we've been having a lot of discussions lately about spiders, mm-hmm. right? You tweeted me the other day with a video of a spider that you captured in your home. Original content, yeah. And then you let free into the world. The video starts out on a close-up of the spider and you can see his muscles. He has little brown muscles. Well, I've made my perspective very clear on finding spiders in the home. If I find a spider, don't care how big, don't care how small, don't care how venomous or non-venomous, your ass is dead in my house. Mm -hmm. Whereas Brandon is going to capture you and release you back into the wild. Why? I don't know. Well, uh, because you, it makes him feel better about all the other ways he negatively impacts the earth, I think. Well, this is good timing because I killed a spider in the house today. But why did you kill that one and not the other one? Because I was in a hurry. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was late for a call and I was going from one place to another and he paid for it with his life. Well, you could have just let him free. You didn't have to capture him. You didn't have to kill him. You could have just left him where he was. He's free in the trash can and I've seen those fuckers survive all kinds of stuff. So, he could be fine. Oh, you didn't squish him? Okay. I just wadded him up in a tissue and threw the tissue in the trash. Well, he might be plotting revenge but uh, I did go to our Twitter followers and I asked them, Mm -hmm. what do you do when you find a spider in your home? I, I said there are three options. Kill it, capture and move it outside or leave it where it is. What do you think one? Well, I participated in the survey. Oh, okay. So, I saw the answer and I believe last time I checked and I'm not surprised that Kill It was leading. The poll has closed. So, the final result is 46% say Kill It. I I thought it would be like 80% said that but only 46%, 38% say they capture and move it outside. Relatively even. You should have added another option, Kill It but only if you're in a hurry. Be a humanitarian only when it's convenient for you. It was very inconvenient to be an arachnitarian today. I did have a user, um, his, he goes by the name Swamp Thing on Twitter and he said that he, he or she said that they try to negotiate with spiders for a peaceful coexistence. Like talk to them? Yeah. I guess you can give it a shot. Anyone out there that doesn't kill a spider immediately, no. just unsubscribe from this show. By the way, I sent that poll on Twitter at Tennis Pod. You can also follow me at Nick underscore Amel, that's E-M-E-L, and you can follow Brandon at Equal Co-host. Correct. By the way, I guess we should tell people what this show is about, huh? Mm-hmm. This is a show where we are Joe Rogan and we talk to different guests every week. It's called The Joe Rogan Experience. This show is actually a show where Brandon or myself come prepared with a top 10 list including fun facts and trivia and the other tries to guess it. This week, Brandon, you have the list so why don't you stop fucking around, stop grab-assing and tell us what your list is. 
Well, let me at first respond to your question with another question, same way Jesus would. Je- what, did Jesus do that? Yeah. Wasn't he sort of famous for answering a question with another question? I thought that's part of the reason why he got crucified. <laughs> well, These guys in that case. couldn't get a straight answer out of him. <laughs> anyway, here's your question. Have you, Nick, have you ever danced with the devil in the pale moonlight? That's a reference to something. That is a reference to something. You're in for a treat today. We're discussing... Batman. Yes, the highest grossing Jack Nicholson films. Oh, Jack Nicholson? Holy shit, I'm not going to do well on this. I thought, I think most people are pretty familiar with Jack Nicholson's body of work. It's not as... It, I thought it would probably be more extensive with more like art house or smaller films that I wasn't aware of, but it really isn't. I think I've seen almost every single one of his movies because he's kind of, it seems to be sort of selective in what he chooses. So, I think you're probably more prepared than you think. Are these movies that he starred in or just a movie that he's had appearance in period? I'm glad you asked. These are movies in which he had a starring lead role. There are some movies on the list that are not counted in the rankings, but are provided alongside the rankings in which he had a cameo or a smaller appearance. And all of these, we're we're talking about the highest grossing. This is the adjusted US gross in 2019 ticket prices. So, adjusted for 2019 inflation. And I assume your source here was Box Office Mojo? It is Box Office Mojo. So, you said it's, it's movies in which Jack Nicholson was the lead starring role. Mm-hmm. I guess you could say, to kind of translate that to our listeners, you could say Jack Nicholson had the Nick role mm-hmm. in the movies as opposed to all of the people under him, which were maybe the Brandon roles. Would you say that's an a- accurate right. assessment? The one okay. at, the, at the end of the credit that says, and featuring. Yep. And featuring, or if you're a little kid, uh, it says, and introducing Brandon. As as little Jimmy Whiskers. Uh-huh. Okay. All right. now, well, I understand now. Like we do every week. First, let's just scratch some off the list. Some Jack Nicholson movies that you are sure would not be in the top 10 highest grossing. Well, one more thing for clarification. Mm-hmm. Would, would you say that his role as the Joker would be considered not a starring lead role, right? It is. It is. Okay. So, because he's a co-lead, I guess. Yeah, I would say that part, that part he, of the- Because def- he's billed, he's not billed first in that, I assume. I think he might have been. He was, I mean- Okay. Yeah, he was absolutely without a doubt the biggest star in that movie. And in every movie on this list, he is most definitely listed on the poster or the DVD cover or whatever as the first or second name. And then I would be shocked if he was not the first name on every one of these. Okay. So, 2019 inflation. I'm going to say, I'm, I'm going to go with a hot take here first. Okay. Hashtag hot take. I'm going to say that despite its uh, enormous popularity and cult following, I'm going to say that The Shining is not in the top 10. The Shining, you're wrong. I guess we can go ahead and answer that one. Hey, Fuck you. <laughs> the Shining is in the top 10, although not very high in the top 10. The Shining is the ninth highest grossing Jack Nicholson film and adjusted for 2019. In 2019 dollars, it made $148 million at the box office. That's not that high. No, it's not. Well, I mean, for a, for a top 10, because let's, let's, let's uh, contextualize this for our listeners. You, I mean, you say yourself that our listeners are a bunch of doy-doys, so let's <laughs> dumb it down for them a little. $148 million for The Shining in 2019 dollars. 
Mm-hmm. The latest Avengers film in 2019 dollars grossed over $1 billion. And I know, you know, The Shining is no Avengers film. But I'm just trying to say that for this to be in the top 10 of Jack Nicholson, one of the biggest stars in the history of film, and his ninth highest film is only $148 million, that's kind of surprising to me. Let me blow your mind with this little fact. And this is a fact I didn't even write down. I, it was so shocking that I just remember it off the top of my head. And that the average adjusted gross for all of his films is $115 million. That's fucking insane. No matter what you pay Jack Nicholson, if it's less than $115 million, you will probably make your money back and then some. I ha- In front of me, I have the top 20 uh, highest grossing Jack Nicholson films. The lowest grossing one in 2019 dollars is Hoffa at $52 million in 2019. And a $52 million movie right now is considered a big success. It made $24 million the year when it came out in Christmas of 1992. Again, that's Hoffa. That's one of his least popular and probably like least critically acclaimed films in this list uh, besides Wolf. Is that the one where he... (laughs) Oh, boy. (laughs) Hoffa, that's the one where he... um, No, he meets his girlfriend's parents at their home, gets into some hijinks with the cat. Tries to milk the cat. Yeah, that's Hoffa, right? That's Hoffa. Okay. Yeah, he... Oh, no, 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 no. It's the one where he goes back to school because of his rich dad starting in first grade, right? It's funny you bring that up because I may come into play again later. Anyway, you have Jack Nicholson in your movie, you're going to make a lot of money. The Shining made $44.7 million uh, when it originally opened in May of 1980. For the, I think I've probably mentioned it on here multiple times, The Shining is my favorite movie. Jack Nicholson is the reason that that movie got made. It's the part of the reason why that movie is so amazing. Well, you know what the biggest reason is though, right? He had a hell of an ass. Yeah. Uh, also, the, the grody old uh, zombie woman's ass after she crawls out of the tub or when he is kissing the hot woman and then he looks in the mirror and she's the nasty old gross swamp thing woman, his hand is on her old lady buttock that has green mossy gross stuff on it. So, there is a butt in that movie. There's a bare ass in that movie. What you call green, mossy, gross stuff, I call... Hmm. <laughs> you hmm. call hell of a... <laughs> Not so bad. In <laughs> The Shining, he played Jack Torrance. To get Jack in the right agitated How mood... How about you start... You are burying the lead here with The Shining. What's the lead? The lead is that The Shining is based on a Stephen King novel. Yes. You didn't even mention that. You were just going to, you weren't even going to say it. We've discussed The Shining on here before when we discussed Stephen King and the differences between the the film and the novel. Of course, The Shining takes quite a few departures from the novel. I appreciate both the film and the novel for different reasons, but I love the film version, whereas I really, really like the book. Yeah. Something I learned about Jack Nicholson's performance in The Shining is that to get him in the right agitated mood, he was fed cheese sandwiches for two weeks and he hates cheese sandwiches. What? Who thought of that? (laughs) The entire movie rests on the anger and the the descent into madness that Jack Nicholson has to portray and the method that they chose to get him there was to feed him nothing but cheese sandwiches for two weeks. Are you saying grilled cheese sandwich? No, just cheese. 
Because grilled cheese sandwich wouldn't be so bad. Well, see, it's funny because when Heath Ledger was the Joker, allegedly, I've heard, when he was trying to get in the right frame of mind, he would lock himself in a pitch black hotel room and write in a journal as the Joker. Right. Contrast that to Mr. Jack Nicholson, one of the most legendary and well-respected actors of all time, eating cheese sandwiches. Well, he ate cheese sandwiches not to play the Joker, but to, to play Jack Torrance. I would argue Jack Torrance is a much darker role than his version of the Joker. Uh, that's a good question. Oh, Wh- fuck you. It's, no, it's true. Which There's one no is argument. darker? Well, I guess one does like attempt to brutally murder his family. But the Joker would do that too. The Joker would murder his own family if it was funny to him. You're not watching the jo- his Joker descend into madness. He's already just an evil guy. You watch him descend into a vat of green ooze. <laughs> And then emerge a beautiful phoenix rising from Arizona. Anyway, back to The Shining. Yeah. You may not know about this. I know about it because I read about it and it's in my notes. You know, at the end of The Shining, he breaks down the door, famously breaks down the door to get at his wife, Wendy, with an axe and sticks his face through it and says, here's Johnny. Right, which is a scene he improvised because that was not in the book. Saying here's Johnny was not in the book, nor was it in the screenplay. In fact, Stanley Kubrick did not know what the phrase here's Johnny meant when it was filmed. He had to be told later and it's one of the few improvisations that he kept in his movies. But that door, they went through at least 60 doors. Holy shit. Partly because Stanley Kubrick is a perfectionist, but also because Jack Nicholson has experience as a volunteer firefighter and would go, was going through the doors like they were butter, like they were cheese sandwiches. Oh, so, he, uh, Stanley Kubrick wanted it to look more like a struggle. Yeah. I mean, part of, part of it is the, the rhythmic of the, the chop as he's chopping through and it has to last a while. I guess he was just immediately blasting through the door with his Jack Nicholson strength. I guess something I should get out of the way right now. That the reason I picked Jack Nicholson and the reason I'm so excited about this episode is because he's my favorite actor. Because he's great. He's a he is legitimately more than Mel Gibson. Uh, he's crazy in a different way, but he's not my favorite actor. And a lot of people would agree that Jack Nicholson is one of the greatest actors. But sure. it's not just that he's great; it's that he is a legitimate genius and he's legitimately crazy. And <laughs> There are so many interesting stories about him. In fact, I just remembered one that's not in my notes off the top of my head that I would like to tell you right now. Can I tell it to you? Let me think about it and get back to you tomorrow. Well, I'm going to tell you right now. I hope I'm remembering this correctly, but it was this story was originally told by Jimmy Fallon to Jerry Seinfeld on Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee. Okay. Fairly certain that that Jimmy Fallon was invited to go to a Yankees game. And, you know, Jerry Seinfeld famously attends uh, or has seats, tickets to Yankees games. Anyway, Jimmy Fallon was invited to go to a Yankees game and ended up sitting next to Jack Nicholson. You've told this story. I did? On this show. Oh, but fuck. Go ahead. <laughs> go ahead. Give a short version of it. The short version is uh, they found, you know, the prize inside a box of Cracker Jacks was a tattoo of a snake. And Jack Nicholson said, <laughs> when I was a kid, you used to get a toy, you know, a top or a ring or something. Now, you get a picture of a fucking snake. <laughs> I'm kind of surprised yeah. I didn't know that I could do anything close to a Jack Nicholson impression, but I guess, it's, I guess he's not hard no, to imitate. believe me, you didn't. You did not. Anyway, he's a character 
I love him and I love most of the movies he's been in. Yeah, but he's so strong. You mentioned, yeah, so you mentioned 60 doors, right? Yeah. Does that mean between every take, they'd have to wait for a crew to take off one door and put another on? Uh, yeah, I would assume that that... That means that they had to have planned or Stanley Kubrick had to have known, we're going to go through a lot of doors, order at least 60 doors and have them on standby. It absolutely wouldn't surprise me. Well, think about by the 60th take, I mean, I'd be dead if it was me. There was an anecdote from Angelica Houston, who's his wife at the time, that every day when he, you know, he's a kind of famous for being a party boy during movie shoots and stuff. He'll go out and party all night and then show up later in the morning to set and they'll kind of work around his schedule because that's what you do when you have Jack Nicholson. But on that movie, Angelica Houston said he would come home, collapse into bed and just stay asleep until it was time to go back in. He was every day exhausted him. From what I've read, it mentally exhausted uh, Shelley Duvall to the point where she kind of didn't, didn't keep acting after that. All for Stanley Kubrick to have his perfect little movie. And it worked. Let me back up a second and give you some Jack Nicholson facts. I'm going to start with some and then I'll I'll spread them out over the course of the show. He was born April 22nd in 1937, making him 82 years old. Oh, God, that's so weird. He's childhood friends with Danny DeVito. They both grew up in (laughs) in New Jersey. That's a great pairing. Have they done a movie together? They were in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest together. Mm. And Hoffa. I believe Danny Danny DeVito might have directed Hoffa. Danny DeVito is in Hoffa as well. Did you know Jack Nicholson grew up? believing that his grandmother was his mother and that his mother, who was a showgirl, was actually his sister. Yeah. His mother had him at age 16 or 17 and her parents decided to pretend that Jack was their son and he knew his mother and his aunt as his sisters. He found out the truth about this from a Time magazine journalist in 1975. He was already famous by then, right? Yes, but can you imagine sitting down for an interview, you know, you think you're going to talk about movies and film and he'd had a, already by 1975, he, 1975, Jack Nicholson had, had had a successful and really interesting Hollywood career and in the course of this interview, they completely blow up what you thought about your family and your childhood. Yeah. I looked that up. I wanted to see what his reaction was. On finding out, Nicholson said it was a pretty dramatic event. But it wasn't what I'd call traumatizing. I was pretty well psychologically formed by then. Um, a pretty strong reaction. Something to note too, he does not do interviews or talk show or TV show appearances like at all. So, the fact that he spoke with a journal, one of the last times he probably spoke with a journalist in depth was 1975. I don't know if this is interesting or not, so maybe I'll cut it. But my uh, dad had a brother. Do you remember I told you about the brother that brought me the Jinko jeans? The brother? Yeah. That was the only time I'd ever seen him in my life. My, my uncle, he's dead now. Uncle Jinko. Uncle Jinko. And my dad went his whole life thinking that was his brother. And he didn't find out until after he was dead and he was talking to their dad, my grandfather, mm-hmm. that um, he's actually his half brother. My dad's dad was not the father of my dad's brother. And my dad didn't know that until his 50s. Oh, wow. Probably pretty scandalous at the time. It's not, you know, I don't think that's to the quite the level of Jack Nicholson experience but it's still interesting. I, I mean, that's a good reason to not sit down for interviews with journalists. If you sit down and they completely blow up everything you thought about your childhood, eh, maybe I'm going to skip the next interview. And maybe you should just never talk to your father ever either so that your father can't 
Never find out the truth. I think that's what Never we're... talk to anyone. My philosophy is talk to no one and nothing and talk to a microphone for your podcast. And other than that, lock yourself in a closet at all times. Well... You can't get hurt that way. With more tornadoes showing up soon, you'll have all the excuses to lock yourself in a closet. It's true. So, let's get back to the list. You've got one down. You guessed The Shining and it was number nine. All right. I'm going to guess that uh, which one's the Joker one? Batman? Batman. Just Batman. It's just called Batman? Batman. I'm going to guess that's around number four or five. Are you kidding? Do you really think it's the Batlow? I don't find. It's number two. Oh, no. It's number one. You fool. What? It's number okay. one, you fool. I, well, I'll save it. I thought a different movie would be number one. We'll see. We'll see. So, no. The, the number one Jack Nicholson movie, Adjusted Gross, $2019, is 1989's Batman. The unadjusted gross that it made in 1989 was $251 million, which is still a huge movie in 2019 dollars still. Is there anyone out there... Who has I Nick, have you not seen the nineteen eighty nine Batman movie? I saw it when I was like five. Oh my god. I think I've seen it like probably once a year since it came out. Well, how much did it gross in twenty nineteen dollars? Did I not say five hundred and sixty seven million dollars? So you translated two hundred something million in nineteen eighty nine to five hundred and sixty seven million in twenty nineteen. Do you know how many airport hot dogs that could buy? I'm sure you've already done the math and it's in your notes. So, can you read that off for us? One Texas-sized hot dog. (laughs) How many bites would it take for you to get through it? So, in Batman, you do know who he played, right? The Joker. He played the Joker. A Batman creator, Bob Kane, personally recommended him for the role of the Joker in Batman. I did not know that. He recommended him to Tim Burton. Now, they looked at lots of other people for the role but can't imagine anybody being more perfect did you... Okay, so I guess I'm talking to someone who hasn't seen it since he was five. I'm proud of it. I've always assumed that Jack Nicholson based part of his performance on Cesar Romero's 1966 Batman Joker. This seems like a safe bet. Because... And I realize that I, I know Jack Nicholson probably did at least some homework uh, of looking at comics because he did reference the darkness of a comic book character, which I think you could have only gotten from the comics as a reference at that time. But there is a certain campiness that he brings to it that reminds me of Cesar Romero's Joker. And I know a lot of people love the Christopher Nolan Batman movies and I do too, but... They're objectively better, but go ahead. Overall, my favorite Batman, and it's my favorite, I'm not saying it's the best, but it's my favorite Batman movie is the 1989 one because of all the weird elements that it combines that I don't normally think would be in a Batman movie. Plus, it is actually a fun adaptation and it has Jack Nicholson and Michael Keaton, but also because of how campy it is. I enjoy part of the campiness of Batman and that movie, I think, does the best job of writing a fine line between something that's actually dark and kind of interesting and gritty, but also campy and fun and ridiculous. Now, something else I learned about Jack Nicholson's role in Batman today I did not know. And yes, by today, I mean I wrapped up my notes this morning. Jack Nicholson took a percentage of the movie gross for Batman. He earned around $60 million in 1989 for that. It's a, he owns the single movie record for actor pay because of the percentage. He, as part of his contract, he took a percentage of the movie gross. $60 million. Mm-hmm. 
Okay. <laughs> I guess that's that it. Oh, I thought you were continuing. That's great. Yeah. No, that's it. I think that's pretty mind blowing. I feel great for Jack. You know, 60 it, million. That's a lot of Lakers tickets. It makes big news when uh, Tom Cruise gets $20 million for a Mission Impossible movie that makes headlines. $60 million for his role of the Joker. In 1989, too. I never understood. I enjoy that Prince makes up the majority of the Batman soundtrack, but I never understood why Prince was on the soundtrack. Do you know, even know what I'm talking about? I'm, no. It's like I'm talking back in time to five-year-old Nick. Well, Prince did a ton of songs on the Batman soundtrack and Prince and Batman don't like sort of naturally go together in my head. So, I wanted to find out why this happened. I like the fact that Prince is on it, but how did this come about? And what I found was that producer John Peters wanted Prince to do the music for the Joker and wanted Michael Jackson to do the romance songs for Batman. Huh. Digest that for a minute that I was like, who? That didn't happen though. No, Michael it did. Jackson didn't. Yeah. Thankfully, no, the Michael Jackson part fell through and then they brought in Danny Elfman to round out the score and I mean, do you, rec- you recognize this, the name Danny Elfman, right? Mm-hmm. You don't? Danny Elfman has created most of the like the best movie and TV theme songs that you know. Like the Simpsons theme was written by Danny Elfman. Did he do Rocco's Modern Life? No, but he works with Tim Burton. So, most of the Tim Burton movies, the soundtrack is done by Danny Elfman. But anyway, this producer, John Peters, who had this dumbass idea to get Prince and Michael Jackson to do the entire Batman soundtrack is the same John Peters that Kevin Smith mentions in his Superman story. Have you ever heard of this? No. Short version is that in the 90s, Kevin Smith was asked to write a screenplay for uh, like a return of Superman movie that Tim Burton was going to direct and John, this dickhead named John Peters was producing. (laughs) And John Peters told Kevin Smith that he didn't want Superman wearing the the stupid fucking cape and he didn't want him flying around. (laughs) And that- (laughs) That's like the whole gimmick though. And that at some point, he had to fight two polar bears, that at some point, he had to have a dog from space- (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> he asked Kevin Smith to put all these things in the Superman movie and Kevin Smith being a comic book guy was like, these things don't fit Superman, but I'm also trying to get paid a whole bunch of money and make my way in the industry. So, he's trying to do it. And then John Peters kept asking him to add in a, that he had to fight a giant spider. And Kevin Smith finally quit and like walked away from it. And then the, ta- the tag of the story or the punchline is that the next movie that John Peters produced came out a few years later and it was Wild Wild West. There's a big spider in there. There's right? a big, there's a giant mechanical spider. Can I just say, God works in mysterious ways. Look at us coming back full circle to Spider Talk yeah. after we opened the show with Spider Talk. Yeah. Should we just rename this podcast Spider Podcast? <laughs> spider Talk? <laughs> spider Talk. Anyway, I found out, I realized it doesn't have a ton to do with Jack Nicholson himself. No. But- You don't say. He and the Joker from 1989's Batman have been discussed to death. I'm going to put you in the hot seat, Brandon. You ready to be put in the hot seat? About what? You ready to burn those buns of yours? Sure. Ow, ow, ow. Ooh, Wait, why am I I on the hot seat? Because I'm going to ask you the tough question. Okay. I already know your answer. It's the wrong answer, Uh, but I'll ask anyway. What Joker do you prefer, Jack Nicholson or Heath Ledger? Just like the my definition of the movie, 1989 Batman is my favorite Batman movie and Jack Nicholson's Joker is my favorite Joker, 
But in terms of what I think makes a better film overall, I think The Dark Knight is the best film, Batman film overall. Yes. And Keith Ledger's performance is the best overall performance. Well, if I remember right off the top of my head, I believe The Dark Knight and The Dark Knight Rises and maybe Batman Begins, but less sure on that one, all grossed higher than the 1989 Batman. Probably so. Yeah. Batman was not nearly as popular. Like, 1989 Batman launched Batman into... Yeah. It's like the uh, we talked a lot about the nerd culture not being as accepted then as it is now back in our comic no. book heroes episode. Bat- 1989 Batman must have been pretty big for people who you know, never thought that a Batman movie would get made and here, here's one live action with an amazing Joker and then a comedian as Batman who ends up being awesome in it. Yeah, it's weird. Uh, I was a kid. I was seven when it came out but it made a big impression. I still remember uh, the theater now, that I saw. Are you talking about the Adam West Batman is when you were seven? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Because that makes more sense. Why don't I give you another guess here? I'm ready for it. Guess. My guess for number one was going to be The Departed. The Departed is number eight. Damn. I really, okay. For some reason, I had in my head that that was like a huge. Uh, well, it was. I mean, yeah, but a huger. When it came out in 2006, it grossed $132 million. In 2019 dollars, that's $181 million. The Departed, for those of you who may have been living under a rock and have not seen it, is directed by Martin Scorsese and stars almost every famous male actor of the 2000s. It, except for Martin Short. <laughs> and the movie suffered because of it. The Departed is the one where he takes up golfing to save his grandma's house, right? Yeah. Did you see The Departed? Yes, I did. Okay. Nick, by the way, uh, has seen The Departed but has not seen Goodfellas. That's a, that's a pretty wild accusation. Can, do you, can you substantiate that in any way? Yes. I have a Blu-ray copy of Goodfellas that was loaned to you and remained- Allegedly. Remained untouched. Allegedly. For two years. So, that Blu-ray copy and your penis had something in common. And also, every time I make a sweet Goodfellas reference or use a quote from it, you have, you just, you have a stupid look on your face. I'm trying to wipe that stupid look right off your face. Hey, I got news for you. I'd rather fucking die than watch, <laughs> than watch Goodfellas and not because Goodfellas I don't believe is a good movie but because I'm going to do it just to spite you, your arrogant ass. How about that? Can I make myself more clear? Just deprive you. Deprive yourself. Uh, he plays Frank Costello, a Boston mob boss, a gangster, who's based largely on real-life Boston mob boss, Whitey Bulger, who recently died. Whitey Bulger? Whitey Bulger. I mean, I can't not comment on the name, Brandon. Bulger? Gross. When's the last time you cleaned your Whitey Bulger? Whitey Bulger arranged a hit that occurred here in our hometown of Tulsa. Really? And did that hit go through? Yeah, there was a Tulsa businessman shot and killed right outside of, uh, what's the country club, the ritzy... Um, well, when you say Tulsa businessman, you do mean he was like assistant manager at McDonald's, right? I think he was an oil baron, you know, someone involved in the oil industry. Mm-hmm. He got killed out there. He went for a round of golf and came out and got uh, gangster murdered in the parking lot. <laughs> Jack Nicholson ordered that. I think I got the facts straight. Now, Jack Nicholson, <laughs> Jack Nicholson was a lifelong Yankees fan 
and it was part of supposed to be part of the ca- character that he wore a Red Sox hat, but Jack Nicholson would not wear a Red Sox hat. That is so stupid. Yeah, it is. <laughs> but he also suggested some improvisations and some scenes that made it to the movie to help round out his character. For instance, he suggested the scene where he throws cocaine onto the hookers, <laughs> which I just assume is like he's something he probably asks of every movie that he's a part of. Like, <laughs> why don't we get some hookers in here and I just cover them with cocaine? Yeah, he just waited for the right director to say yes. He also came up with the idea that when he meets Matt Damon in the porn theater, that he would wear a strap on and pull out his fake wiener. Wait, what? Do you not? Okay, there's there's a very tense moment in the movie where Leonardo DiCaprio's character is following Matt Damon's character who is going to meet up with Jack Nicholson's character. You know, the two, one mole yeah. is following the other mole who's yes. going to meet with Frank Costello and the, the place they meet is an adult theater and when he... When he sits down there, I'm pretty sure like Jack Nicholson, he does something like he turns toward him with a big fake wiener out like, (laughs) like waggling at him. And I love that that's his Jack Nicholson. Well, that's what Jack Nicholson brings to a movie. Yeah. Big fat floppy wieners. (laughs) You know that that day he came up with that, they had to send someone out to get to buy the wiener. Do you have any advice on where people could buy a big fat floppy wiener based on your experience? Um. Amazon. Do you have any old ones that you're prepared to sell? Tennispodcast.com. Tennispod.com slash merch has your big fat floppy wieners and it also has all kinds of tennis podcast related merchandise. Buy it and I'll give you a big old virtual kiss on the cheek. I'm going to give us a virtual boost here and I'm going to tell you a couple movies that did not make the top 10. Okay. The movie Hoffa, we already discussed, did not make the top 10. It was number 20. The movie Mars Attacks. Hmm. That was going to be one of my guesses. One of my favorite sort of silly movies, like a stupid movie. Mars Attacks was number 17. Jack Nicholson played the president. Yep. Skeezy Cowboy, a general, the general that wanted to obliterate all the aliens. Spoiler alert, by the way. Jesus. Uh, And About Schmidt in which you can see Kathy Bates' bare breasts in a hot tub mm-hmm. is not in the top 10. It's ranked number 15 on here. You know that you're a sick little, you're a sick little bastard, you know? Well, that? I tried to note in every one of these movies where there was nudity, I tried to note that. What about Anger Management with Adam Sandler? Anger Management is number six. Holy shit. I, yeah. Look at that. The power of Adam Sandler. Maybe Adam Sandler. Deserves more respect and recognition than Jack Nicholson. Adam Sandler and Jack Nicholson are very similar in that it doesn't matter what the script is or what the movie is. If you put Jack Nicholson or you put Adam Sandler in a movie, there's a certain amount of money that you are pretty much guaranteed to make. Anger Management is the sixth highest grossing Jack Nicholson film. Came out in 2003. It grossed $135 million that year. In 2019 dollars, it's $202 million. Anger Management starred Jack Nicholson as Dr. Buddy Rydell. Adam Sandler was his anger management patient. I've seen the movie. I probably haven't seen it since it came out. It's funny. Out of every movie on this list besides The Shining, Anger Management is the one I can like visualize in my head the most. I only saw it once. It was funny. I remember that he's funny in it. 
Have you seen that GIF that's used all the time of I, yeah, Jack I Nicholson? Like <laughs> when I added the Giphy app to my iPhone keyboard, the very first GIF that I used or favorited was the GIF of Jack Nicholson very creepily with a hungry look in his eyes, slowly nodding with a disturbing shark's grin on his face. <laughs> it's the same look that a shark gives when it's uh, closing in on some I'm going to, to eat you now. Yes. <laughs> I didn't have any notes about anger management simply because there's not there's not a whole lot like... Uh, simply because you're biased against it because it doesn't have some superhero parading around in a cape in it. So, anger management number six. All right. Let's go with uh, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Nice. One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Cuckoos. Cuckoo? Cuckoo? Cuckoos? One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest is number two on the list. Look at that. Nailing it. Came out in 1975. Unadjusted gross. It made $108.9 million in 1975, but in 2019, $483 million. One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, based on a novel by Ken Casey. He played Randall McMurphy, mm-hmm. convicted criminal or a criminal who pleads insanity to avoid prison time. If you've never seen that movie, it's one of my favorites too. Also stars Danny DeVito. This might be where Jack Nicholson started making some of his wisest money moves. For One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest and for Batman, he took a small percentage of the profits in lieu of a salary. Hmm. But was even this... if he took 1%, you know, 1% of the adjusted gross is still uh, $1.1 million. So, his net worth is somewhere around $250 million right now. Was One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest his first big breakout role? No, it was an Easy Rider. Oh, Okay. Easy Rider with Peter Fonda and um, James Caan. I think that was his big breakout, but he had been in other things before that and he was definitely on studio's radar before that. Yeah, okay. Big money move, uh, big money, big money Jack, they call him. They call him Money Moves Jack. So, I got number one, Batman. Number two, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Number six, Anger Management. Number eight, The Departed. Number nine, The Shining. Is that right? Yeah, you're, you've done better than I thought you have done so far. I told you, I'm the uh, three-eyed raven of podcasting. Three-eyed raven of Jack Nicholson movies. And uh, bef- <laughs> you just warg into Jack Nicholson that the only thing it's good for <laughs> is like pulling his own movie information out of his head. <laughs> Not any of the other like uh, rich bachelor fantasy life things he does. It's just getting his own <laughs> movie knowledge out of his head. Or just sitting front row at a Lakers game where the Lakers are just being destroyed and that's all I can <laughs> Behind see. his sunglasses, his eyes are all white and creepy. <laughs> but he has, I mean, no one else would know the difference. He'd still have that same sort of scowl <laughs> look on his face. That, uh, that scowl that has dropped so many panties over the years, am I right? <laughs> the scowl, yeah, the scowl that dropped a thousand panties. Hey, which character of Jack Nicholson's do you think is the most sensual and tender? Which one do you think you wouldn't mind cuddling up to at night the most? I do have an answer on this, but it's one of the films you that hasn't been guessed yet. So, I'll... All right, let me guess. Let me guess that film. Okay. It's got to be young, Jack Nicholson. Oh, is it that Wolfman movie? What was that one called? Wolf. <laughs> is, is that, your, is that no. the sensual one? I just love that the movie's <laughs> called Wolf. 
<laughs> just cut right to the they just call cut right to the essential scary part wolf <laughs> and, and no in that they movie he plays a straight up werewolf and that movie is number 12 on the list huh it's adjusted gross is 140 million dollars so even though wolf was a turd it still made an adjusted gross 140 million dollars in the year it came out 94 it made 65 million dollars that's the one where he becomes a shaggy dog with a little kid, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Hmm. Young Jack Nicholson. I would say youngish, uh, not, not even- Well, I mean, even in The Shining, he was like 40-something. Technically younger than, older than The Shining, younger than Wolf. I don't, I don't know that you're aware of this movie. <laughs> it's, very, it's very possible. Why don't you just tell me? I would be shocked if you were. It's called The Witches of Eastwick. Nope. The Witches of Eastwick is number 10 on the list, which I am very surprised by. Probably has to do with the fact that Cher was also in the movie and Cher was coming off of some other popularity at the time like um, Moonstruck maybe. You know, she was in uh, Moonstruck with what's his name, Nicolas Cage. But I remember this movie being kind of a weird turd. It also had Michelle Pfeiffer and Susan Sarandon and those three women were if I remember right, they were kind of bored single moms or ladies, single ladies in a New England, small Hang New on. England town. Hang on. All the single ladies, all the single ladies, all the single ladies, all the single ladies, all the single... Come on, Brandon. Come on, join me. All the single ladies, put your hands up. Or is it hair up? Put your hair up. I am trying to cringe myself into a little ball that turns inside <laughs> out and disappears. <laughs> So, you mentioned all these lady actresses. Yeah. Would you say it's fair to say that Cher shared the spotlight? <laughs> I don't think sharing the spotlight is in Cher's nature. Hmm. If, she, if it was, she wouldn't have hung her butt cheeks out in that, <laughs> in that music video. She would have put some <laughs> band members up there. Wow. Hot take. Instead, she, put, she said, I'm going to put my two most important band members <laughs> out on stage. What video are you talking about? She had two hits in the end of the 80s. One was If I Could Turn Back Time. What was the other one? Oh, it was uh, Smells Like Teen Spirit, right? No. Oh, oh, uh, Master, of, Master of Puppets? It was I Believe in the... F I Believe in Life After Love. Was that in the 80s? No, I think that was in the 90s. So, the one in the 80s must have been If I Could Turn Back Time. I think her butt cheeks were out in it, if I could turn back. All right, hold on a second. We'll have to, we'll have to review the tape. I got to Google Cher's butt cheeks. <laughs> Cher butt cheeks. It was the video for If I Could Turn Back Time. If I Could yeah. Turn Back Time, I'd wear different pants? No, she knew what she was doing. She, mm. she was wearing a leather jacket and stockings and her butt cheeks were out and all these sailors, she was on a ship and all these sailors were going bananas. For sure. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, you realize the only reason these guys are going bananas is because they've been at sea for nine months. Or nine minutes in that video shoot. Anyway, Witches of Eastwick. <laughs> <laughs> What's it about? Are they witches? So, Jack Nicholson rolls into town and he makes, even though he looks kind of a middle-aged guy, you know, he's going bald and has a creepy smile, all the chicks are a horny for him. Mm-hmm. And they can't help themselves. He's so smooth and seductive. His name in the film is Daryl Van Horn. What's wrong with that? Well, he plays the devil and I was thinking about this uh, a few minutes ago. Sounds like the name of a devil, right? 
Brandon. Hey devil, you know, hey devil, you got to pick a American human name. Daryl Van Horn might be what the what the very uncreative devil comes up with. So anyway, he he shows up in Eastwick and he grants these ladies their wishes. I can't remember what their wishes were. Some kind of crap they wanted. And they became Isn't it always with women? Is that what you're trying to say? I don't know what they wanted. Whatever they wanted from it, he gave it to them, but he, they sold their soul because then they were his witches and he was the devil. Sold their soul for some new shoes or something. Am I right, boys? Am I right? You know, I do have the internet. I could just see no. or read. We don't got time for shit like that. It says, three single women in a picturesque village have their wishes granted at a cost when a mysterious and flamboyant man arrives in their lives. And this is the most sensual Jack Nicholson for you. I think because he seduced all these witches. Hmm. Well, it wouldn't be hard for a devil to seduce witches. Isn't that kind of like in their nature to be seduced by a devil? I think this movie must have come on HBO a lot when I was little. Now, little in stature or little as <laughs> <Yeah>. in young? <laughs> when I was, yeah, when I was 34, I was only four feet tall. Hey, there's nothing wrong with that. No, there's not. I get a growth spurt when I was 35. Okay. And shot up to almost six feet. But only three short years ago <laughs> when I was very small. Uh, I, this came on HBO once in a while. So, even at like a young impressionable age, I was somewhat aware that, uh, you know, there's something chicks dig about this Jack Nicholson guy. Yeah, it's called his money. The three women begin to understand how and why Daryl is able to mesmerize them so fully. Is it his butt? Yeah, I think it is. Oh, the tagline for the movie is three beautiful women, one lucky devil. <laughs> Oh my god. I should god. start reading the taglines of more of these movies. Yeah, that's a good idea. Taglines are dog shit. I should have I should have been doing that all along. Mm -hmm. So anyway, do you want to make another guess? No, I want to read some iTunes reviews first. Okay. Is that okay, sir? Yeah. I mean, jeez, Christ, the tone. Your tone there. I'll watch it. Yeah. Okay, uh, we read iTunes reviews here, so leave us a review on iTunes. Don't be stingy with your stars. You can write us one, two, three, four, five stars and write a review. We'll read it on the show. First one here comes from Just a Preacher. I know how much you hate preachers. <laughs> okay. Exclamation points here on everything. This is a great podcast for curious people, very informative and great content. Oh, wait, that was those just the two exclamations? Yeah, okay. That's it. Does he think the podcast is only great for curious people or that it's especially great for curious people? Great for curious people. Mm. Maybe curious is supposed to be like for the, for the late person, you know what I mean? Is it possible that he or she means that? A preacher is always a guy, right? Or am I thinking of a priest? Priest is always a man. A priest is a man. A priestess is a Oh, there's female. priestesses now. Okay. I guarantee you that wasn't in the original documentation. I think priestess is like a really old word. <laughs> yeah, I think you're right. I guess they'll just let him do anything now, won't they? Yeah. The next review, let's see here. A lot of people think exclamation points denote yelling. It's all caps that denote yelling and it's an exclamation point that it denotes exclamation which isn't yelling. It's not the same. I guess you're right, Brandon. This next one comes from Kovaltine, who says, quote, this podcast is fantastic. The two hosts have great chemistry with each other. Ew. And the format for their show is unique. 
Each top 10 is researched well. Oh, if you only knew. I think this person means that each top 10 featuring hashtag Nick's notes is researched well. No, I think you read that wrong. I think it's supposed to be each episode is researched. Well. (laughs) (laughs) That might, yeah, that sounds closer to the truth. Uh, This person continues the banter back and forth as one of them tries to guess each spot of the top 10 is hilarious. Is it hilarious, Brandon, when you're struggling to guess even the easiest lists that I bring to you? Yes, I find all my faults and foibles to be entertainment. For more of Brandon's faults and what, foibles? Foibles. Listen to- Is that- I got now I got to look up foibles. Listen to our bonus episode called Brandon Bloopers, where you can listen to all kinds of Brandon faults and foibles. Kovaltine, I want to thank you for your review. And if you want us to read your review on this show, write it on iTunes. And you know, while we're here, while we're taking a break from the list, I want to give a shout out to a listener real quick. Paul from Australia reached out to us. Hell yeah. Yeah, I want to give this guy a shout out because he just said some really kind things about us. He said that he's going through a tough time in his life. No shit, he's surrounded by fucking monster animals. Monster animals, but in addition, he's going through uh, some things in his personal life and also was in the hospital recently and he said that our show helped him get through it. So, as crazy as it sounds, we do have a positive impact on some people, not anyone we know personally. Not not each other. Not each other, not my family, not your family, um, but people that know us from Australia, we have a positive impact on their life. Paul, hang in there, my brother, and thank you for listening. Thank you, Paul, and thank you for overlooking our foibles, which are our minor weaknesses or eccentricities in someone's character. Well, we can't use that one because small weaknesses is not accurate. Okay. Let's get back to the list. I have a guess and it's going to surprise you. Shock me. This is number (laughs) four. Okay. The bucket list. No, I'm sorry to tell you, the bucket list did not make the top 10. Oh, the fuck it didn't. The top? The fuck it didn't. Morgan Freeman, Jack Nicholson in a buddy movie? It came out on Christmas Day, 2007. The bucket list grossed $93 million. When it came out in 07, adjusted for inflation, in 2019, we'd call that $117 million, which places it at number 14. Well, guess what? I said four and 14 has a four in it. So, that's something. It's pretty damn close. If I remember right, that movie has a lot of jokes about... Being old? Yeah, being old and not being able to make it to the bathroom in time or not having your wiener work or <laughs> forgetting stuff. Isn't that funny? No, none of those things are... It, well, it's not funny to you because that's what's happening to you now. Yeah. Let me ask you something. Do you think America's Funniest Home Videos is funny? <sighs> I don't want to say yes. Just, no, you can be honest. No, I think like the animal ones are funny, but mostly because of the cute factor. Okay. But I think the audience laughter and like the shitty music and stuff and the joke of the host ruins it. The dumbass jokes and the voices and stuff. Yeah. Is that show still on? It is. It comes on every Sunday and my six-year-old insists that it is recorded so that he can watch it at his leisure. (laughs) You're fucking kidding. Yeah. and. Do you find it funny, any of the videos where people fall down or something falls, do, do the injury videos make you laugh? Tell you, if it's someone who deserves it, 
Yeah. Like someone who is messing with an animal. Yes. That sort of thing. Or someone who is doing something incredibly stupid. I don't know. Dancing on top of a flagpole or some shit like (laughs) that. Remember the the, uh, large young lady who fell on top of the table while she was trying to like... She's dancing. She's artistically, talently sing to. The, she was doing. Oh, that. she was dan- She was singing. I thought yeah, she, was she was dancing. She was standing on the table, facing the camera, walking uh-huh. across the table, singing. But it was like a. It was like a slow, passionate song, and she was trying to showcase her her vocal range. Oh man, I you just completely destroyed everything. I was about to say how I don't think any of the falling down or people getting hurt things are funny, but. But I'll You're t- just <laughs> describing one that I've seen a bunch of times already. I'm still laughing about it. So, no, man, fuck it. I guess it is pretty funny. Well, the best part of that is not the fall itself, although that's great. The best part about it is like the five minutes where the camera is still on after and she's groaning and dragging herself she's across like the dazed. <laughs> this sounds terrible. I hope that young lady's okay. Listener of the show. I mean, she obviously has to have a sense of humor about it because she, yeah, she posted it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe. Well, we just dismantled my argument. So, well, let's just move on. I guess falling down is pretty damn funny. Okay. So, I tell you what. Let me start at number 20, work my way down, tell you some more that are not on the list. I need a Jack Nicholson filmography in front of me. Are you really going to do that? Well, I'm not going to look at the... Because he's not in that many movies. The thing is, almost every movie he makes... (laughs) makes a shitload of money and he doesn't make a ton of them. So, a lot of them are in this list. Anyway, starting at number 20 is Hoffa, 52 million adjusted. Number 19, Heartburn, came out in 86. I've never heard it or seen it. Number 18, it's Pritzy's Honor, came out in 85. Again, never heard of it or saw it. Number 17, excuse me, is Mars Attacks. 16, On a Clear Day You Can See Forever. Came out in 70. That is one of his first major films. Don't know anything about it though. Number 15 is about Schmidt uh, with Kathy Bates's Big Old Boobies. Came out in 2002. <laughs> Number 14 is The Bucket List. Number 13, Reds, which I did not see. Came out in 81. 12 is Wolf. Number 11, Chinatown. Came out in 74. And that brings us back to number 10. The Witches of Eastwick, number nine, The Shining, number eight, The Departed. You do not have number seven. Number six, Anger Management. Number two, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Number one, Batman. I'm looking at his filmography. Did you know he hasn't had a, done a movie since 2010? He's not even slated to appear in one? No. And The Departed, which feels like forever ago, right? Mm-hmm. That was his third to last film. The last three films he did was The Departed, The Bucket List, and How Do You Know? Which is I my don't... next guess. How do you know? No, How Do You Know is not on this list. I don't even know what that movie is. It had Paul Rudd and Owen Wilson. I guess I'm not much of a Jack Nicholson fan. I need to get caught up on some of these (laughs) crappier movies. Okay. Something's Gotta Give? Something's Gotta Give is in the top 10. Okay. Number Something's Gotta Give is number seven on the list. Came out December 12th, 2003 and grossed $124 million that year. And 2019, that's $182 million. And this this is what a different landscape the film industry was in 2003. A love story starring two people in their 60s or 70s made $125 million. Well, 
There's no way a rom- romantic comedy can make that kind of movie now at all. Something weird about Jack Nicholson in a romantic movie anyway. I've seen this one. Have you seen it? No. I don't know why I watched it, but I've seen the movie. I remembered it well. I don't know why you do a lot of things that you do. <laughs> and I remembered it well enough to know that Diane Keaton was briefly fully frontal nude in it. Jesus Christ, what is wrong with you? I told you I, po- I made a point to no. point out on this list. No, you and made a point all right. You made a point all right and you knew off the top of your head every... You, you did. Do you not think it's some... It's, Diane Keaton has been like an A-list actress since late 60s or early 70s and the first time she appeared nude in a movie, she was over 60 years old. Do you not think that that's fucking remarkable? Uh, and he showed his bare butt. Did he? Yeah, you see Jack Nicholson's bare ass. It might be a stunt ass or a digital stunt ass, but he tur- he's wearing a hospital gown and he turns around because he's kind of confused and stuff and you see his old butt. But it doesn't, you would think, if by looking at his face, you'd think if his ass looked anything like his face, it's got to be all baggy and messed up looking. Mm-hmm. His ass isn't all baggy and messed up looking in that movie. So, I think- Not too bad? It, I think his ass may be- digitally enhanced or maybe jack's just got back jack uh, he might that might be jack's ass that might be uh, uh, the true america's ass unlike you i don't rank movies based on the amount of females that are nude in it uh so yeah that's something's got to give something's got to give that ass at number seven as good as it gets as good as it gets what number is it? See, now that I'm looking at filmography, these are obvious. As good as it gets is going to be four. No, it's number five. Damn you. As good as it gets came out. Another Christmas movie. Yeah, Christmas is the time to go to the movies and watch some Jack Nicholson. Came out December 23rd, 97. 97 and earned $148 million. In 2019 dollars, it's $285 million. Won an Oscar for it. I think Helen Hunt won the Oscar and also maybe Greg Kinnear. Like everybody involved with that movie won an Oscar and I haven't seen it since it came out. Helen Hunt's in it. That's a person I haven't thought about in 20 years. Helen Hunt, it's like she's not too busy. Well, you want me to tell you what she's up to? No. You want me to tell everybody what she's up to? No. Does I can care? literally hear the thousands of no's being screamed at their iPods people, right now. People iPhones. hanging up. <laughs> hanging up. <laughs> Don't do it. Nobody cares. You know what? Fine. Tell us the most recent thing she did. She's doing, she's doing stuff. The most recent thing that I've ever even heard of, none of this stuff. She's doing, oh, she was in the movie Soul Surfer. Hmm. Uh, it was some kind of like Christian surfer movie. Uh, she's doing stuff that's in pre-production, including a Mad About You TV movie. Oh, I'm going to set my DVR to not give a shit about that. Okay. I can't talk about that anymore. As good as it gets, number five. Do I? I can't keep uh, shitting on Helen Hunt. Okay, go ahead. Do you got more? No, no, no. That's it. That's all I got. So there's two more. I know. I don't know why I didn't think of this sooner. Number three. Ready? Mm-hmm. I need to know that you're ready. Born ready. Give me a drum roll. A few good men. A few good men is number three. Three-eyed raven of podcasting. He just warged into... <laughs> Somewhere he's standing over... He's about to throw cocaine onto a hooker. 
<laughs> his eyes roll back into his head and he starts mumbling like, oh, well, yeah, you want me on that wall. You can't handle it. Well, and it came he, out in 92, well, number three on the list. And the hookers are like, oh my God, get out. And then he becomes the king of Westeros. <laughs> oh, goodness. A few good men. Guess what? Another Christmas time Jack movie. Get uh-huh. Jack for Christmas. Came out December 11th, 92. In $92, it earned $141 million. But to you and me here in this dystopic shithole 2019. Wow. $307 million. And that's only because it starred every star that ever was a good star in Hollywood. Huh. Do you know, uh, you know the Kevin Bacon game, right? That's like every, Kevin Bacon has like a relationship to the sixth degree of every actor in Hollywood or something like that. Yeah. And most of them, it's even less than that. There's, if you're playing that game with someone, the two best movies to, to start with or to connect with Kevin Bacon are A Few Good Men because of the amount of stars in it, JFK. That's my cheat. All of you this weekend, listen to this podcast, go out and challenge someone to that Kevin Bacon game and then whoa, just, whoa, whoa. just steamroll their ass using A Few Good Men and JFK. First of all, do you think our listeners are going out this weekend and seeing anybody? Give me a break. And two, turn don't... to your loved one and start screaming at them to name it. They to... don't have loved ones, Brandon. Connect to Kevin Bacon or I'm leaving. This podcast is all they have. This podcast is all they have. Tweet me your Kevin Bacon movies. <laughs> don't tweet me your Kevin Bacon movies because when it happens, I won't remember where you're doing it. Nobody really confused. <laughs> A few good men haven't seen it, Brandon. Have you? God damn it. Yes, I've seen it. I've, it's a movie a lot of people have seen. I'm honestly surprised you haven't. It's a good movie. Well, now that you say that, I will make it a life mission to never... I know you'll never see it. I'll literally die before I allow myself to see this movie now. I forgot I got some notes about A Few Good Men. Let's hear it. In A Few Good Men, he played Colonel Nathan Jessup. You gave the, that speech that you can't handle the truth thing. You know that's the, where that's from, right? Yes, I know that. Yeah. So, he was only in four scenes. He shot those four scenes over 10 days and he was paid $5 million for it. Holy shit. And he remarked to a reporter, first time it was money well spent. <laughs> he has such a great like pithy way of just wallowing in the fact that he's Jack Nicholson. <laughs> How can you not love a guy who's just like, yeah, I'm, what are you going to do about it? I'm Jack Nicholson. Do you know this son of a bitch was in the Andy Griffith show? I did know that. I didn't make it to my notes. I thought it was too boring, but I'm glad you mentioned it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I did. I did know that and I was surprised by it. It actually should have gone into the notes. I didn't, I never knew that he was in episodes of the Andy Griffith show and I would love to see clips of it. I'm sure I could just uh, YouTube it. Don't do that now. Did you know that he likes the ladies? He's been married once, but it was only for a few years in the 60s. Okay. Since then, he's just been banging around. Between 1973 and 1990, he had an on-off-again relationship with actress Angelica Houston. You might remember in the 90s, maybe early 2000s, he had a, a hot publicized romance with a much younger woman, Laura Flynn Boyle. I do not recall, but I'll she take was your on a, I think she was on a lawyer show or something. Anyway, she was a lot younger than him. He's like, yeah, that's who I am. He likes him younger than him. Even now in his 80s, do you think? Yeah, he's 80. Yeah. 
Yes. Well I, well, I mean, I know he likes him, but has he been publicly with younger women in his 80s? I've read a quote when I was looking at his quote. Most of his quotes weren't worth like pulling out on their own. They come, some of them come off kind of skeezy. This one says, at his age, it's not appropriate for him to be seen chasing after the young women. He said, now, if they happen to be escorted <laughs> out the back under a blanket, well, that's something else. He said that? Yeah. Holy shit. All right. Uh, do you remember that in 1994, he bashed up some guy's Mercedes with his golf club? I do not remember that. There's a famous incident. You know, the tabloids went bananas with it, calling him like Wacko Jack. Uh, he took a golf club after somebody cut him off in traffic and just bashed <laughs> bashed the guy's hood <laughs> and windshield with the golf club, which I think is fucking awesome. Uh, they settled out of court. Rumor is that the check, the settlement check to the vi- victim may have been up to $500,000. God. Uh, t- again, to use his own phrase, money well spent. I need to do some real research on Jack after this. I'm kind of reading while you're talking too and... Is he not one of the most fascinating characters? I didn't realize what a writer he was. He's a gifted ghost writer in Hollywood before he became known as an actor. Is he still doing that? I don't know. It doesn't seem like it but I don't know. With him, nothing would surprise me. I did read today also that in The Shining, he drew upon some of his experience as a writer in the scene where he is expressing to Wendy his frustration with her interrupting his writing. He added and improvised slash added the line, if you hear me typing in here, if you don't hear me typing in here, what the fuck you hear me doing in here, it means I'm working. I'm in here, I'm working. See, you need to watch The Shining now, don't you? And I got to go watch The Shining again, just the way he delivers the line. Anyway, he's received 12 Academy Award nominations. Has he never won? He's the most nominated male in history. Yeah, he's won several times. I forgot to get the, the number he's actually won. Uh-huh. He's long refused to do any televised interviews except for press conferences. In recent years, he has occasionally agreed to speak briefly when ap- approached by reporters. He has not appeared on a talk show since 1971. Were you watching that one live? <laughs> no, but... Don't you think, I mean, obviously, if he doesn't want to go on there, he wouldn't be a great guest. But if he did want to go on there, he seemed like he would be So, wait, amazing. he's never done like a late night show? No. That is, is wow. that what you, don't That's you think? That's impressive, yeah. Can you, you can almost see him on Letterman. It's almost surprising to think that he wasn't on Letterman. But yeah. according to this, no. Well, and he was watching Johnny Carson. We know that from Here's Johnny. Yeah, he watched it. Interesting. I guess that's it. I mean, he's got to be the biggest name to never be on a talk show. Yeah, that again, there's a lot of myth and legend surrounding him and I think a lot of it is true. So, you have one more on this list. Yeah, it's got to be terms of endearment. And why did you know the answer to that? Because I'm looking at his filmography and that was the most famous film that I haven't mentioned yet. And do you know anything about that movie other than it was like, Academy Award winner and it's a famous movie. Nope. I don't know anything about it other than that. And well, I know Shirley MacLaine is in it and I know that he plays a retired astronaut. It's number four. It came out November 23rd, 1983. That's the 20th anniversary plus one day of the Kennedy assassination. (laughs) Yes. I thought that was relevant. We brought it back to JFK. 
It's okay. Why wouldn't I? I mean, because every day of every year is a year and a day from something. Well, <laughs> please proceed. <laughs> what do you want me to say? What do you expect anybody to do with the information that this movie came out 20 years plus one day? What is it? Just absorb it. That's the worst random bullet you've ever given. Listen to me. Not every bit of information needs to fucking light up your brain with dopamine. You know what I mean? Some of it can just be dog shit that goes in one ear out the other. <laughs> this was more of that. I hate it. Adjusted $2019. I hate you. Terms of endearment grossed $296 million. This is a $300 million boring as shit movie about feelings. I guess. <laughs> you know, I was looking through his filmography. He's done a lot more comedy than I expected. Yeah. Almost every movie is like a drama, a comedy drama. It's weird. Even, even his characters like Jack Torrance in The Shining, Colonel Jessup in Few Good Men, or Frank Costello in The Departed, even really dark, scary characters, he always makes or brings some kind of element of comedy to them. They all, all have a way to like make you laugh or at least make you chuckle with something while all like still also being scary as characters. Just like you. You can make us chuckle but we're all scared of what you're capable of. Of all these movies on this list that I have not really seen, like really watched and absorbed, Wolf is the one I think. <laughs> I really got to check out Wolf. I'm surprised he did that. I wonder if that was a hard year for him and he needed some extra cash. <laughs> the clips that I saw of it were so funny out of context. He looks like a werewolf and he's leaping around Central Park. <laughs> Imagine doing Jack Nicholson's makeup in the makeup chair for however many hours. Uh, he must be the most intense, scary man of all <laughs> that anyone has ever met. But I wonder how much of that is, how much of that do you think is genuine and how much of that do you think is him playing into the myth, the legend? That's a good question. God, I don't know. Because I, I, you know, I would tend to say that he like bought into it at some point and just lives it. But I yeah. also get the feeling like the older he gets, maybe he's like, you know, whatever. It says that he's starting to like maybe talk to the press once in a while. He's not, doesn't seem to be, does he have anything in like pre-production? No. Yeah. Maybe he just doesn't give a shit about being like... Or maybe his health is worse than we know. He's in his 80s. I'm just, I'm just speculating wildly. I know nothing. I'm just saying, you know, if he might not want to be seen anymore in public or something. I don't know. Does he still not show up at award shows? I have no idea. Finding out from this episode today that I know a lot less about Jack Nicholson than I realized. <laughs> and I know marginally more than you do. <laughs> Even in the top 10, the only movie I've seen that I can actually remember is Anger Management and The Departed and The Shining. I haven't watched him in a new movie in over a decade. 2010 was the last one that he did. I didn't see I'm Still Here or How Do You Know. The bucket list was the, the bucket most list recent. Is the I think I probably saw that the year it came out and that's been 12 years. <sighs> I don't think Jack is a listener of the show. I don't think pod... No, he is. I think he probably wipes his ass with the idea of a podcast. He listens to the show. Whoever is out there... If you're near Jack, if you have a way to get to him, please, we need to do a welfare check mm. on Jack Nicholson. I just want to know if he's okay. And then stick some headphones with our podcast in his ears. <laughs> Ask him to give us a rating on iTunes. Well, you know what? I can just, hang on. I'm going to warg into Jack right now and see what he's doing. Ready? Here I go. Um...
I'm back. <laughs> he was looking at his own IMDb page. All I got was some shitty facts about Wolf. Why don't you take us back through the top 10? Top 10 highest grossing Jack Nicholson films are number 10, The Witches of Eastwick, the most sensual of Jacks. <laughs> number 9, The Shining. Number eight, The Departed. Number seven, Something's Gotta Give. Number six, Anger Management. Number five, As Good As It Gets. Number four, Terms of Endearment. Number three, A Few Good Men. Two, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Number one, Batman. I asked you about the most sensual Jack. What about the Jack that you'd be most scared to run into in a dark alley? Joker. No way. Yes. I guess that's true. But he's also the devil and a wolf and Jack Torrance. (laughs) He's all those things when he's just Jack Nicholson. (laughs) Does not every movie list the tagline? Some movies don't really have a tagline. Taglines are so shitty. I love them. Let's see. The Departed. Give us a tagline, The Departed. What kind of phenomenon is that in human nature that you and others love things that are bad. <laughs> There's only two reasons to like and really enjoy something because it is really good or because it sucks so much shit. And taglines are almost always so lame. And here we go. Here's some lame ones. This is for the movie The Departed. I, I think most of us would agree, pretty good movie. Here's the shitty tagline that they stuck on it. Lies, betrayal, sacrifice. How far will you take it? <laughs> what, are you talking to me? Brandon. I, I'm, I'm buying Reese's pieces to put inside my popcorn. <laughs> That's how far I'm taking it. You know what? That, no. I, you know what? I can't lay down on that one. Do you not do that? Popcorn? You're ruining the butter mm. element of the it's popcorn. It's all in there. If you're going to get nasty, go ahead and just get all the way nasty. A friend told me a few years ago, next time you go, get your popcorn, get a bag of Reese's Pieces, dump those pieces in there, eat the whole thing. (laughs) They didn't say eat the whole thing. But but, Brandon, there's not nearly enough pieces to cover the whole popcorn. I can make a pretty good dent with them. You have to be... You have to be choosy about your handfuls because I eat popcorn by the handful, you know? Like I look over at my wife and she eats popcorn one piece at a time but Mm-mm. I'm shoveling <laughs> it in. You do that thing where you open your mouth and then you wiggle your hand around the area of your mouth to make sure all those stray kernels <laughs> make it in there. Well, I don't do that but I've at least got like a good bunch of grapes worth of popcorn in my hand free of candy distractions while it enters my mouth. And then I swallow it. Ew. (laughs) Shut up. (laughs) Okay, I'm looking for more taglines while you're... Okay. The tagline for the bucket list, when he closed his eyes, his heart was opened. What the fuck does that mean? (laughs) That doesn't mean anything. (laughs) You only live once, so why not die with style? God bless. Well, Brandon, what do you think is the overall lasting legacy of Jack Nicholson? Taglines. <laughs> a good, as good as it gets. A comedy from the heart that goes straight for the throat. Oh, Jesus Christ. Uh, enough of these taglines. They're making me depressed now. Okay. So, that's it. That's Jack Nicholson. What's the best Jack Nicholson movie that you've seen and what's your favorite? My favorite Jack Nicholson movie is The Shining, closely followed by Mars Attacks. The best film that he's in, the best all-around film that I've seen. Shining. Yeah, I mean, it's The Shining. But 
past that. So if I, I had could to pick, see someone saying one flew over the cuckoo's nest. Yes, I'd say that, and then maybe closely followed by God. Man, there's so there are a bunch of good ones on here. Um, I don't know. It'd be it's tough. Uh, the Shining is straight up there. One flew right behind it, and then Chinatown maybe even right behind that. Uh, you know, I was looking at How Do You Know, the most recent Jack Nicholson film. Mm-hmm. How Do You Know was released in December 2010, was a box office bomb and grossed only $49 million against a $100 million budget. Didn't even make back half of its budget and it has Owen Wilson, Reese Witherspoon, Paul Rudd and Jack Nicholson. How does that happen? How does that bomb? That's weird. I don't know. What does Rotten Tomatoes say about that movie? 32%. It was a turd. Which hey, is low but there's lots of shitty movies that do well. Okay. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Sorry, Jack. Come what back. are you going to do? Welfare check. Somebody check on Jack Nicholson and let us know. And then subscribe to the Tennis Podcast. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram at Tennis Pod. Connect with us at TennisPod.com. Buy our merch at TennisPod.com slash merch. Oh, and one more plug. Episode, this is 42, episode 42 you're listening to right now. The episode that Jack Nicholson is listening to unwillingly while he's being held down by you is episode 42. What the fuck is this? <laughs> What the fuck is this? He would hate us, wouldn't he? Uh, he, yeah, disgusted. Well, episode 45 is coming up in three weeks and that is going to be a Q&A episode. We last did that on episode 25. You should go listen to it. Uh, again, I know you already have, but uh, we're going to be taking questions over the next few weeks and we're going to answer them in real time on episode 45. So, if you have a question, you can email it to tennispod at gmail.com or any of our social channels I mentioned earlier will also be looking for questions there. Isn't that fun, Brandon? That's the best. Isn't that great? Okay. Is there anything else you want to say? I mean, do you think you did Jack Nicholson justice with this episode? No, I... F- no. I don't... I, th- I don't think... I think if he walked into a room and this was playing, he would just turn on his heel and walk right back out. Well, to be fair, that's most people. Um, so, I'm sorry... Jack, honestly, I just, I think this whole thing was just a cry for someone to do that welfare check. Isn't that weird? I mean, if he's not in a movie and he's not going to award shows, it's not, I'm not asking like, does he exist? I'm saying like, oh, I'm worried about him. How do I find out? You just trust. You trust that God works, that God has his back. (laughs) (laughs) Have faith, Brandon. I think I read a quote about a quote from Jack Nicholson on God and faith. Do you want me to find that and read it to you? (sighs) Why don't we end with that? All right. Here he is. In 1992, I don't believe in God now. I can still work up in envy for someone who has a faith. I can see how that would be a deeply soothing experience. And this quote is right under another one that says, beer, it's the best damn drink in the world. (laughs) (laughs) so someone on imdb decided that those two of course those two quotes were of equal gravitas and belonged right together in his in his page of quotes you mentioned uh well i was reading too while you were blabbering on for uh, forever she has five children the way wikipedia lists it it says five including lorraine nicholson which I love that because it sounds like they're saying he has five and Lorraine Nicholson is one of them. Like as if she's tacked on there at the end but. 
if you don't forget about me. <laughs> she was in Soul Surfer 2 with her mommy. Oh, wait, that's not her mommy. That's weird because Jack Nicholson, uh, Angelica Houston is in Soul Surfer. Right? She is. Isn't that the one you said she was in? Or maybe no, I'm thinking. No, I, that's what um, Helen Hunt was oh, in Helen Soul Hunt Surfer. Helen Hunt is in Soul Surfer. Okay, well, yeah. Lorraine Nicholson is in it with her. What? Look at that. Do you think he got her? You think he got her in there? Are you talking about himself into Helen Hunt? No. Do you think? Because <laughs> <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> yeah, probably. No, I she's, assume she's about thirty years too old for him. Uh, do you think Jack Nicholson got? Well, I was going to say he got her into that movie because Helen Hunt was working on it. But I'm going to guess that if Jack Nicholson wants his daughter to be in your movie, it doesn't matter who else is in it. You can probably put his daughter in your movie. Wasn't Soul Surfer also the name of a villain in the Fantastic Four? Oh, Silver Surfer, maybe. Silver Surfer was not quite a villain, not quite a good guy. Okay. He was a Let's stop there. Uh, I've lost interest. He was a Herald of Galactus. <laughs> oh, he was a Herald of Galactus, <laughs> eater of worlds. <laughs> I think that's where we end it. All right. This has been... Episode 42, best whatever uh, Jack Nicholson movies. We'll be back next week with the best or the highest grossing uh, Helen Hunt movies. I'll have that top 10 list next week. Great. Thanks for your time, Brandon. Thanks for listening, Jack Nicholson and everyone else. Welfare check on Jack. Check on Jack. Bye. Bye.